Hello and welcome to episode three of the Direct Design Podcast. Uh, today I want to talk a little bit about freelancing and uh, more specifically I want to talk about um, clients, how to get them, um, how to deal with them and um, everything to do with that topic when it comes to running your own freelance design business. So yeah, let's uh, jump right into this and get going. Your freelance business will sink quickly if you don't have great clients. For me, this has always been you know, one of the toughest areas to navigate. I'm a designer. I'm not a salesperson. How do I actually go and get clients? This is one of the joys of freelance work. You have to be the sales and marketing team if you want to succeed. Building a client list is one of the hardest things you'll do in a new business. This can make or break your full-time freelance goal. Above all, make sure you're comfortable talking to people. You don't have to be a used car salesperson, but you should have basic communication and collaboration skills. In my experience, clients want someone that they can make a basic personal connection with. You're not taking them out to the movies, but there isn't an awkward tension when you talk either. Um, it should be a casual kind of friendly tone of conversation. You, you should be able to talk to people even like you would a coworker at your job. So uh, before you meet with your client, you know, relax, take a deep breath, just be yourself. Um, if the relationship doesn't click, don't sweat it. Move on to the next client meeting and just don't give up. That's the most important thing. You definitely will run into certain clients that um, you just don't click with. Learn to look for red flags. Um, things like if they kind of uh, balk at the idea of paying a deposit, that's always a big red flag. If anything really about money, if they don't want to talk around money, uh, that could be a big red flag. So um, look for those types of things. Also, yeah, if it just doesn't feel like a good connection, then you might want to move on. Or uh, worst case scenario, do one job. Make sure you get a 50% deposit upfront minimum. And uh, if it doesn't work out, you don't have to work with them again. So anyhow, this is one of the advantages of having your own business. You get to pick you want to work with. So how many clients do I need? Uh, this is a bit of a tricky question. Like how busy do you want to be? Do you want to grow your business into an agency one day? Are you good at multitasking with multiple clients at once? Um, since you're just starting up your new business, the number I would shoot for would be around five to seven regular clients. These should be your bread and butter clients that are hiring you repeatedly. Uh, clients like this will allow you to get some regular cash flow established. This will also free up some of your time for looking um, for client, other clients so you can get your actual work done. When you're starting up, never turn down a potential client. Take the time to meet them and review the project. And like I said, you don't actually have to take the job if you're not comfortable, but just don't ever turn down the opportunity to talk to someone and get to um, see what they have to offer and just get to uh, see them as a person and see if that's someone you think you could work with. Um, in some cases, you might, want, might not want the job, like I'm saying, but it makes sense just to keep meeting and build those relationships. You might also uh, turn that into like a networking opportunity where they could refer you to other people, even if you know they haven't hired you before. Um, it's happened to me in the past where like, oh yeah, my friend... Also requires help. Here's you know their contact. You can reach out to them as well. So, uh, creating a good network of clients and businesses is critical for your success as a freelancer. So, aside from those regular five or seven clients, you should also be be looking to pick up one-off jobs from other clients. Um, over the last twenty years, I've worked with around fifty to sixty different businesses. Uh, some of those were one or two projects, and some were several projects that lasted over several years. Um, don't turn down a well-paying one-off job as that's a way to build extra income for leaner months. And you never know where that might lead um, for repeat business down the road or again, referrals. So uh, some people might call this spec work, but I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the only conditions are that you make sure you do good work and charge a rate that doesn't undercut your industry peers. So don't be going in and you know charging $5 an hour for a business that clearly can afford to pay you. If it is nonprofits or charities, 
Uh, like I've said in the past, I've done volunteer work for that before. I have no problem with people doing volunteer work um, there as well. Uh, generally, that's better when you're trying to build your portfolio. Of course, so you can still do pro bono work when you are established. Um, there's nothing wrong with that either. So anyhow, do not work for minimum wage. It devalues you know, our entire industry. You'll likely invest a good amount of time and money into your education as well. So you don't want to sell yourself short. So how do you actually get clients? Uh, this is the hardest part of being a freelancer. How do I find the work? Uh, the key to finding clients is to build a good network. You can do this in many ways. For me, I worked at a company full-time for a few years and built out some relationships with vendors and uh, similar businesses and just kind of uh, peers across the industry. When the time came for me to freelance, I leaned on some of these uh, industry contacts to be my first clients. Uh, you could also build a network by attending events and meeting other designers who might have uh, extra work that they can't handle. Um, often you'll see designers might pass different jobs to you. They are too busy to do them all. Uh, sometimes designers will even subcontract other work to you, uh, which is, I know, a good way to you know, make some connections and earn some money as well. Uh, you may even meet someone that you can partner with to work on larger jobs. Um, I spent a fair amount of time doing subcontracting work for other freelancers um, that had more work than they could handle. Sometimes that might be a small agency where it's one or two people and um, they just can't handle all the work they're getting. Sometimes it might just be another freelancer who just has extra work. So the key thing to remember here is just to get out there and meet people. Uh, sitting at home surfing the internet is not going to build your business. Another good place to start is to consider working for friends. Uh, this is off limits for some people, but I've had success with it in the past. The key is to be a little bit picky about who you work with. Um, if your friend's beer league hockey team needs a logo, you might want to pass on that. However, if another friend is opening a coffee shop and needs some help with advertising, this is a great opportunity for you. In most cases, friends will be a little more forgiving as you work through your first projects. You can give them a bit of a price break and it will be less stressful process for both of you. Make sure that you act professionally and treat a friend just like any other client. For one, you want to give them that professional experience and you know they are paying you, so you need to give them the same type of uh, service you would any customer. Uh, as well, it's good practice for you. Like You're you know, learning how to do customer service. You're learning how to deal with clients. You're going to have a little more forgiveness with actual friends versus um, a client who's you know, not a personal friend or connection. So anyhow, make sure you act professionally even when dealing with friends if you're doing work for them, including things like writing up a proposal for them and get them to sign off on it, collect a deposit like you would for any other customer and provide excellent customer service. Uh, this is not just portfolio building for you. Like I said, it's a practice for dealing with other clients in the future. If you don't like the idea of working for a friend, why not consider working for a charity or nonprofit? So these types of organizations are often looking for help as they have limited budget for design services. When you do pro bono work, you can usually negotiate for more creative control. That will make these types of projects some of the cornerstones of your early body of work. Not to mention, if you can get in with a well-known charity, that can look really good in your portfolio. If neither of these paths are working for you, I'd encourage you to work on your own projects. Preferably, you should work on an actual product that you can sell online. The problem with side projects that aren't a product is that they're pure fiction and they don't look that impressive if you, know, you don't actually ship something that is you know, sellable or at least something you can give away and is actually uh, tied up into a nice little product at the end of the day. You, know, you want something that you can kind of put into a portfolio as well as something that you can point at as an example of your work. Um, if you have a handful of successful products that you can show off, then you can validate your design skills that way as well. A few way ideas for personal products would include things like writing an ebook, 
uh, WordPress themes, website templates, uh, magazine templates, ebook templates, stock logos, stock photography, Photoshop, brush sets and action sets, Illustrator brush sets, typefaces, icon sets, uh, stock vectors. There's, you know, there, the possibilities are endless. I've actually built all of these different things uh, through different points in my career. Uh, once you've created your products, you could sell them on a separate web store that you run, uh, then link the store back to your personal portfolio. This is a good way to get some free advertising and generate some traffic for your portfolio. You could also sell your products on marketplaces like ThemeForest, Graphic River, or Creative Market. If all else fails, there's many freelance community websites out there. I'm not generally a huge fan of these websites because the designer ends up working for a lower rate. There's also a ton of competition which drives the price down and makes it harder to close deals. If you'd like to try out a few of these websites, I'd recommend checking out Envato Studio, Elance, and there's also Freelancer.com. Um, there is also some full-on freelance, uh, I guess, agencies, you would call them nowadays. Um, one that's called TopTool is one of the bigger ones. So uh, it's almost like you get hired by them to be the freelancer, and they will actually kind of contract you out to a uh, different business. Uh, that business could be a one-off job or it could be even um, a longer-term uh, gig. So that's also another um, option, which actually works really good if you're someone who's interested in remote work um, or you're, maybe you want to live half of the year in one country and half of the year in another one. That's a really good option for that. You can kind of move around. And as long as you're you know meeting your uh, the needs of that customer, you can kind of do what you want as far as where you live. So, uh, yeah, make sure you check out TopTal. That's T-O-P-T-A-L. Uh, the thing to remember is that referrals from existing clients is likely how you'll get most of your new business. That makes it even more important to provide excellent customer service. Then your customers will want to refer you to their friends and colleagues. How do you actually close the deal? So closing the deal comes down to customer service. There are a million designers out there with similar skills. The way you make yourself different is by providing better service than the other designers. Designers are not always the most reliable people. Our reputation isn't always the best. If you provide five-star service on a logo design job, your lead will become a client and likely provide you with repeat business. Before you get to the, that point, though, there are a few things you can do to help close the deal. One of the most important things you can do is to be clear and get to the point quickly. Your clients are busy people. Learn to respect their time. If you're quoting a job for a flat rate, create a clear outline of the job with breakdowns of each section for the client. Make sure you include a price for each part of the job so the client can see where the money is going. If you're working on an hourly job, create a simple hours estimate for each aspect of the job. Make sure you pad this a little bit for things that pop up that are outside of the original outline. If you end up doing the job in less hours than estimated, this will only please the client further. On hourly jobs, I frequently overestimate my hours so that I can deliver the final product at a lower cost for my client. So this is a little trick that you can use that is called under-promising and over-delivering. So what does that mean exactly? That means... If you think this job is realistically going to take you uh, 10 hours to do and you charge, say you charge $100 an hour, uh, it's a $1,000 job. So if you were then to actually tell the, the customer that you think it's going to take you 12 hours and which would cost them about $1,200, then when, if you actually do deliver it in 10 hours or even maybe nine hours, that means that you can actually come in with the, delivering the work faster than expected as well as cheaper and that is going to really um, make the client happy, and that's going to lead to repeat business in the future as well as referrals to um, other customers. So when a client asks for a quote, don't take weeks to return it. Also, don't return it the same day unless it's a simple job. The best policy is to turn around a quote in about 24 to 48 hours. 
That way it shows the client you took the time to research what's required and come up with an accurate price. Over time, you might do the same type of job repeatedly, so it won't take long to come up with a price. In that case, you could give the client a, a quick price as it shows your expertise in the area. As far as the timing of quotes goes, use your best judgment as you gain more experience. A quote should be made up of the following parts. An introduction, a detailed overview of the work to be completed, a breakdown of the process for the project, the cost for the work, the cost for work that goes above and beyond the quote, what the client needs to provide, things like logos, images, if they have typefaces, do they have a color palette, a summary of the work to be completed, uh, the price breakdown, and make sure you include a deposit for 50%. That is my rule that I've always used, and it stopped me from getting uh, burned significantly um, in my career. I guess when I was first starting out, I had one job, and I did not take a deposit up front, and later on, the client was in the grocery business and they tried to offer me groceries in lieu of payment. Yeah, needless to say, that is not what I was looking for and I ended up uh, basically eating that job. So I learned my lesson um, early and from there on, I've always done a 50% deposit up front and I've never been burned again. So anyhow, make sure you get that deposit. Uh, some other things, an area for the customer to sign off on the quote, uh, payment details to initiate the job and your contact information. So let's go through some of these a little more deeper. So, all right, so the quote introduction. In the introduction of your quote, you should list a few simple things, your client's name, the project name, the date, and your contact information. Try to address the quote to an actual person to make it more personal. You should thank the client for the opportunity to quote on their project and let them know to contact you if they have any questions. In the detail overview, uh, explain in detail what you'll deliver to the client at the end of the project. For something like a website, indicate how many pages you'll quote up, how many revisions to the design are included, whether hosting and domain name registration are included in the quote, how the website will be created, uh, HTML versus WordPress or you know, PHP or JavaScript. Without writing a novel, give the customer lots of details so you can start to build a level of trust with them. Uh, the actual process. So one of the most important parts of the quote is the process. This should provide the client with a timeline for the work and a step-by-step -step breakdown of how the job will go. Here's a sample process I use for designing a logo. Uh, the designer will provide the client with a creative brief to fill out if they have not provided their own upfront. So that will include things like what is the actual name that should appear with the logo? Do you have any brand colors that need to be used? Um, do you have a preference for an icon versus more of a word mark? Uh, what is the personality of your brand? Is it more of like a luxury brand or is it more playful or is it just a very simple, straightforward type of, uh, of company? From there, the designer will review that brief and provide the quote to the client. Assuming the quote is accepted, a 50% deposit is required to initiate work on the project. So this is something that's really important to do. Before you do anything in a project, you should always make sure you get a deposit. Uh, the next thing in the process will be any supporting files um, that are required from the client to start work. Like they might have um, an old logo or perhaps some imagery or something that you need um, within that project to do the work, basically. Um, then as a designer, you know, we'll research the client's area of business and other relevant information for, you know, whatever much time you think that will take you. Uh, then you'll, the designer will create three logo concepts. So I would always create three logos and then I would um, provide them to the client to review them. And then the client would choose one. And based on that one, they can have as many revisions to that as they like. That's one kind of thing I did to offer better customer service uh, was to give basically unlimited revisions. That might sound a bit scary, but, you know, I've done dozens of logos over my freelance career. And it's never gone further than, you know, maybe two or three revisions. And then people are happy 
And uh, when you offer something like that, you know, it gives them the confidence that they're going to get what they want. Assuming, you know, they are able to pick one of those three concepts and move forward, that's what you would do. But in some cases, maybe they don't like any of the three you've provided. So it's good to give them um, an outline of what the cost would be for additional concepts. So for, you know, every additional concept, that's an extra, you know, 300 bucks or whatever you charge and uh, make sure that's outlined clearly. So like I said, uh, once they have picked the final direction, we'll make all the revisions and uh, we can give a timeline as well for how long revisions take. The last or a couple last steps here, the designer would provide the final versions of the logo to the client for review. And then on approval of that final logo by the client, the designer will give you the final source files. And at that point too, you should outline that's when you would expect to have the balance of the job paid for. Don't offer terms if you're a freelancer. I've done this in the past, but the truth of the matter is if you say give 30 days terms, people will, it'll be 60 days on and people still haven't paid you. Uh, you know, you're not a big agency. You don't have maybe as much cash flow coming in. You need to get paid after you finish jobs. So generally ask for payment on receipt when you're done. And, you know, even at that point, you know, you might not see that paycheck for another week or two, depending on the customer. That's another good reason to develop good relationships with uh, customers that are ongoing because um, you can stick with the ones that pay on time. So anyhow, that's an example of a simple logo design process. Uh, you may want to build more revisions into your process or you may want to assign time estimates to the client's responsibilities as well, depending on how picky they are about the actual full length of the project end to end. Um, this can help speed up the feedback process and give the client, like I said, a better overall picture of how long the job will take. It also can cover you off um, if, it's, if they are actually someone who's picky about uh, being exactly on the exact uh, time that was quoted. Um, the funny thing is, is that in many cases, the client is the one that's actually holding up the project by not providing you know, prompt feedback or uh, you know, source files that are required. So it's good to kind of cover that off. Um, when coming up with your hours, always overestimate a bit. Like I've said before, you want that buffer. Um, if you deliver the project ahead of schedule again, you know, that's going to please the client even more. So let's talk a little bit about uh, cost breakdown. So when creating your cost breakdown, you can handle it one of two ways. First, you could provide a flat rate for the entire project and then divide it into two. The first half being the deposit, the second being the balance of the job. The second method would be um, charging hourly for a job. So a few tips around this. I generally charge more hourly uh, just because you don't know necessarily how long something is going to take. You don't want to undervalue your skills and your work. And, um, you know, you don't also know, again, like you can't plan as well. Like if you know that you have, you know, four 1,000 jobs this month, then, you know, that should be enough to to uh, pay the bills and whatnot. But if you have all these hourly jobs, you don't necessarily know when they're going to end. You don't necessarily know what the end price is going to be. Um, so it's good to you know make sure you have a good, strong hourly rate. Uh, if you're just starting out, I'd recommend at least $25 an hour, maybe even even more. After a few years, you know, bump that up to $50, $60. I, I charge now $100 an hour. I've been doing this for 20 years. And it's honestly not worth my time um, to pick up jobs for less than that amount. Another thing too with uh, charging hourly, only do it with clients that you've worked with before. Don't offer hourly rates to a customer you've never worked with before because you don't know that they're going to pay you at the end. So I would only offer hourly uh, rates to customers that I've done business with a few times. I know I can trust them. I know they'll pay their bill. But otherwise, do, do the first method where you're going to decide on a flat rate. Uh, make sure you get that 50% deposit up front. 
All right, so some of the final details. Uh, make sure you include your contact info. It will be hard to close projects if they don't know how to contact you. Also, make sure you include all your payment methods. You want to make sure this is really easy to close the project so that your potential client doesn't get frustrated and abandon the quote. If you are collecting payment via PayPal, make sure you include an email that, that funds can be sent to you. You may get a pleasant surprise when you get an email notification about a deposit, which will indicate the job is moving forward. Once you've submitted your quote, don't be afraid to follow up in a few days. If you haven't heard back, ask the client if they have any questions about the quote or if anything was missed. Do your best to serve their needs. Don't take a position of, I need to know for my own reasons. Sometimes this will be the difference between, you know, if the client is weighing an option, you know, a few different options between different designers. Always provide that good customer service. Uh, let's talk about collaborating with your clients a bit. So another great way to provide customer service is to keep the lines of communication open. You want to collaborate with customers on the job so they feel a part of the process. This will create a sense of ownership for them and decrease the possibility of them rejecting your work. No one wants to get close to the finish line and have the client tell them to go back to the drawing board. It's better to keep in regular contact with the customer and provide milestones along the way. Before I jump too far into any type of job, I'll show the customer some type of a draft. If it's a logo job, I may show them some rough sketches. For a website, it may be a wireframe of the homepage. You want to set a foundation for the project to build in the right direction with the client. Like I mentioned, it's a good idea to have checkpoints or milestones along the way with the client. Let's use a website as an example and I'll show you my process. The customer provides a creative brief for the project. If they don't have a brief, I provide a questionnaire. Um, the questionnaire would be around things like, what is the website for? Uh, do you know which pages that you would like in the website? Do you have content written? Do you have imagery? Do you have the logo? Like all the things that I'm gonna to need to build that website. And then to also find out what is the purpose of this site? Is it a sales website? Is it purely an informational landing page? Like what is it for? So those are the types of things that I would put into a brief. Um, the next step would be a price is decided on, deposit is received and the project is initiated. Next, I create wireframes for all or some of the pages in the website. The wireframes are then reviewed with the client to ensure we're on the right path. If I'm designing in Sketch, I'll mock up a couple of key pages and may also create a mood board or some key components to show the client. We'll review the Sketch comps and make any necessary changes, and then I'll start to cut it up and start coding up some pages. Before I do the whole site though, I'll code up one or two pages. Uh, and then I'll take that and I'll review those pages with the client, let them test them in their browser and on their phone and see um, what they think. Assuming all went well, I'll co then complete the final pages and submit the full website to the client for review. The client will review and, requ and request any changes and the project will be completed and the balance of the job is paid. Um, that's basically my process for creating websites. Um, it's a basic project flow example you can use in your own work if you like. Um, but how does the actual collaboration happen? Uh, it depends on what you're comfortable with. For smaller projects, I usually just use email. For larger projects, I prefer to use something like maybe Basecamp as they have, uh, there may be several wireframes and updates that need to be tracked back and forth. Uh, Basecamp's also looks good from a professional standpoint. It makes you look like a more legit designer when using these types of tools. In many cases, the client is going to ask for something outside of your original quote during the project. So when this happens, don't panic. This can be a good thing because it will allow you to earn more income. So that, this is why it's good to keep that collaboration going. So hopefully you can catch these things earlier than later. Uh, what you don't want to do is add extra costs to the project without first contacting the client. If the price is going to go up, contact the client and let them know before they do anything. In some cases, they may change their mind and cancel that change. It's best to be honest here and not try to pad your wallet without their knowledge. This is another great example of how to provide great customer service. Spotting bad clients. So bad clients should be avoided at all costs. 
In reality, you're likely going to have to deal with a few before you start to recognize some of the warning signs. Here's a few things to watch out for. They don't want to pay the deposit. This is the biggest red flag. If they don't want to pay you a deposit, run away at the moment. Don't walk, run. Um, they don't have or don't want to fill out a creative brief. This can also be another, you know, maybe they, they're willing to pay you, but like if they don't tell you what you want, this is going to be a nightmare of a project. So depending on the size of this project, you, you may not want to take it. Another problem, they may have unreasonable expectations. You know, they call you at 11 o'clock at night or, you know, they expect a job that would, takes you like normally two weeks to do. They want it done in a couple of days. Uh, that's another big thing to watch out for. Um, they don't really know what they want and they're regularly changing direction. You know, this is a good and a bad problem. You know, if you're working on a on an hourly rate, maybe this isn't a bad thing because you're going to end up getting paid a lot more. However, that bigger paycheck is going to come with a pretty big headache as well. You know, no one likes to have to constantly be changing direction in any uh, creative project they're doing. So if you're someone who likes to kind of go in one direction and not have to deal with a lot of speed bumps, then you should avoid people like that. Another one is they don't give you any creative freedom and they micromanage the design. So at the end of the day, you are the designer. They are hiring you uh, for your skill set. Yes, you have to provide customer service. That is critical. But also don't have them just be creative man or creative directing the project. That's your job. Um, if they're just coming in and, you know, like basically telling you exactly what they want and it's something that you don't think is good and would not be proud to put in your portfolio, uh, learn to avoid these types of people. It will take you going through generally working with a person once to figure this out. But if it does happen, you know, finish that job up professionally, get paid and then move on and don't work for them again. You could always refer them to some uh, another designer perhaps and with a, a fresh warning though. Um, another thing, they complain about past designers and developers they've worked with. This one is big. If you are meeting with a potential customer for the first time and they bring up about, oh, yeah, that last designer, they just really screwed everything up. They didn't deliver and they didn't give me what I needed. Like Generally, that is another sign to just start running in the other direction. With people like this, they generally are never happy and um, they just want to complain and are, are very hard to work with. And no matter how good you are or how good the service you provide is, they'll never be happy. So uh, definitely avoid customers if they come to you early in the process and start talking uh, badly about past designers they've worked with. When you do find yourself in this position, go out of the way to make them happy if you can. The problem is your reputation is at stake and you don't want to give them a poor experience. Then have them go and tell their network that you aren't easy to work with. They may do this anyhow, but at least you can say I provided the service I was hired for, but the client didn't hold up their end of the agreement. The exception to the rule would be if the client has not paid and is abusive to you. If you find yourself in that situation, politely fire them and move on. Yes, you have the ability to fire clients if they step out of line. This is your business at the end of the day, and you are not you know, a dartboard that can just take tons of abuse. If a client is acting improperly, don't be afraid to walk away in the middle of a job. Definitely cover your bases though and try to avoid that at all at all costs. Generally you would, you know, try to just wrap things up as quickly as possible and be professional. But you know, sometimes you will find yourself in these bad positions and you're gonna have to figure out how to navigate them. Alright, let's talk a bit about pricing. So yeah, this is a big one. I often get new free freelancers asking me how much they should charge and if they should work for free. You should never work for free because it devalues yourself and your industry. You likely spent a good amount of money getting an education and spent countless hours honing your craft. That is worth something, and you should never allow anyone to tell you otherwise. Something important to keep in mind is that clients that want free work are usually the hardest to work with. Avoid these people at all costs and just move on. 
As far as how much you should charge, let's get into that in a second. But one little um, exception to this rule is one I mentioned before is if you want to actually do some work for nonprofits or for uh, charities to pad your portfolio and do that work for free, then I don't see a problem with doing that. And I think that's actually uh, a noble cause. But anyhow, let's get back a little bit here to how much you should charge. I mentioned earlier, you know, year one, maybe around 25, but that might even be a little light, honestly. If, if you're actually charging hourly rates, I'd probably start at $50 an hour for the first one to five years of your career. Uh, for the next five to 10 years, I would bump that up to somewhere around $75 an hour. And then every, anything beyond 10 years, I would charge $100 plus an hour. At that point, you should be quite established. I should have a strong portfolio and you should have, you know, a decent, regular, stable of clients you're working with. So you're not going to have a lot of extra time for one-off jobs probably at that point. So you got to make sure they're worth your while. So you definitely want to be charging on the higher end. And also, if you've been doing this for 10 years, then you better be providing a pretty high level of quality of work that is you know worth that money. So anyhow, I don't do a ton of freelance work myself anymore as I prefer to work on my own products. But when I do pick up a side job, it starts at 100 an hour and it can go up depending on what the project is. Like I said, my time is valuable, so it needs to be worth my while. Working on client work will take away from time building my own products and my family, so that time doesn't come cheap. Value your time, can't get it back. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed learning about um, how to find clients, and then once you have them, how to uh, work with them to keep them and provide good customer service. Uh, I'll be back uh, very soon with the, uh, another episode on freelancing. And until then, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.